And I'm calling today's word Gospels for Nazareth and Jubilee. And continuing in the Gospels, a compilation of the four Gospels, one story. I'm going to pick up from the point of where we were speaking about Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness. After the six weeks of temptation in the wilderness, Jesus made his way to Galilee on his way back to his hometown of Nazareth. That journey took quite a long time. And on the way, he performed miracles and healings and regathered his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. The arrest of John the Baptist by Herod would neatly fit anywhere into those six weeks of Jesus in the wilderness. And Mark's Gospel records in detail the story of Jesus on his journey from the southernmost end of the Jordan where John's baptism was held and where he went back down into the wilderness to fast. So after that 40 days in the desert, he heads northwards. He goes up the Jordan River and then along the seashore of Galilee. He needed to regather his disciples, but they'd gone back to fishing. That was their profession. And they'd gone back for those six weeks while he was in the desert, and they probably wouldn't have known how long he was going to be there. So they'd gone back to work. And remember that Jesus had already chosen some of them, the fishermen anyway, at the time of his baptism by John, when they left off being John's disciples. Remember that in the, the first series of the Gospels with John baptising Jesus and John's disciples saying, well, we're going to follow Jesus now. And Matthew tells the same story of Jesus regathering his disciples on his way back as they were fishing. They'd gone back to the fishing. So I'm going to read in Mark, Mark chapter 1, and look at what happened as Jesus came up by the Sea of Galilee and then went in the power of the Spirit into Galilee proper. Verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And as he walked by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. And that was quite prophetic. They immediately left their nets and followed him. So he's saying, you call yourself fishermen? I'll make you fishermen. <laughs> when he got a little further along from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who was with James in the boat, mending the nets. And he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him and went into Capernaum. When it says he called them, they'd already committed their lives to the Lord at John's baptism of Jesus. And that word in the Greek, kaleo, also means he called out to them. Like, hey boys. And they say, he's back. And so then they go on their way 
into Capernaum. And Capernaum was a bustling, busy city, a very large place. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue and taught, and they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one that had authority, not like the scribes. Mark then tells powerful stories of the supernatural ministry of Jesus, starting with him casting out an unclean spirit from a man in the synagogue in Capernaum, his first preaching mission in the synagogue. And Jesus and the disciples then leave the synagogue. Jesus then goes and heals the mother-in-law of Simon Peter. And Mark goes on to say that by sunset, the open courtyard out there on the street after he'd healed Peter's mother-in-law was filled with the sick and demon-possessed and a huge crowd of people from all over the city of Capernaum. So word had spread fast. Come and see this man. And they gathered outside the door to watch and Jesus healed great numbers of sick folk that evening. Jesus then heals a leper. A few days later, he healed the paralytic man who was lowered down through the roof by his friends. Remember that story? And Jesus then decides to go walking by the sea again. And he sees Matthew in his tax collection office. And he calls him to follow him also. Mark writes that such throngs soon surrounded Jesus that he couldn't publicly enter a city anywhere. But he had to stay out in the barren wastelands where people would come from everywhere just to see him and to hear him. Or basically to find him. Because he wasn't out there in public. He was out there to actually get relief and rest and to, to get with his father. Many more healings and miracles occur in the following chapters of Mark, chapter after chapter of that journey, of the supernatural works of Jesus. And that might have taken many, many months as Jesus went in and out of Capernaum to other regions of greater Galilee. And we'll look at some of these at another time because there's so many of them. But the Gospels agree that that initial time of his powerful ministry of healings and miracles was a prelude to Jesus returning to his hometown of Nazareth. And I've got the scripture references there for you to look at. So now he comes home to Nazareth. And Jesus would have returned home to the modest, humble township of Nazareth where there would have been the usual measure of poverty and sickness. It was everywhere. He'd been in the midst of it all around Galilee. Nazareth hadn't featured in any of the previous healing and miracle work. Nazareth was in an insulated part of the Galilean countryside surrounded by hills and olive trees. And Jesus would have turned up as the familiar young carpenter that shared their uneventful lifestyle in Nazareth. And in the synagogue, he would have shared the duty of giving a reading from the scripture like all the other young men who routinely shared in this way along with the older men in the community. By the time that he eventually got to Nazareth, everyone would have heard about his preaching and healing and miracles. The boy has come home. And that had all happened on his way home, which had taken such a long time. 
but they were not going to believe a word of it until they saw it with their own eyes. This is an interesting story of people, including us. But Nazareth had a reputation of being a disagreeable and unpleasant place. And all the Gospels, except for John's Gospel, talk about the rejection of Jesus in Nazareth, his hometown. John's Gospel's only comment about Nazareth is found in John chapter 1, and we've read it before, where Philip, who'd become a disciple, found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Uh, that was a mindset. Just uh, keep that little phrase in your head. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. It was not a very impressive title. <laughs> we now read Luke's account of the homecoming of Jesus. In Luke chapter 4 verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him had gone out throughout all the surrounding region. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. So Luke puts all of what Mark wrote in a few chapters in one sentence. He comes to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as the custom was, for all the young men in the place, I've just put that in brackets, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty for the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Isaiah 61.1 Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he said to them, Today you have heard this scripture fulfilled. He is saying to them, I am the fulfilment of Isaiah 61. The Bible then says they bore witness to him. It's an interesting phrase in the Greek. And what they're saying here is they knew that he'd spoken truth. They bore witness and had proved it by his recent ministry, they knew about that. They knew who he was, and so far as what he'd done and where he came from and he's back home. And they were amazed by the gracious words which he spoke, the, the grace of the words that he spoke as well. And they said, is this really Joseph's son? <laughs> they were stunned and amazed and impressed but by saying, is this really Joseph's son, they displayed the archetypal unbelief syndrome that was the flaw and failure of Israel and is really of all of us as human beings. Can this really be true? We've heard stuff, we've seen stuff, but this, we're looking at the outside and 
not impressed really at the moment, but I am, but I don't think I can believe it. Then he said, and he was one of them, he could read their hearts. He said, probably you want to quote me that proverb, physician, heal yourself. <laughs> Who are you? And show us what you can do. So what they're really saying to him is, why don't you do the miracles here in your hometown like those you've done in Capernaum? Are you all talk? So Jesus is saying this. He says, probably you want to quote me that proverb, physician, heal yourself. But I'm telling you, knew, he knew what they were thinking. He said, I'm telling you that no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. For example, remember how Elijah did no miracles of provision for the many Jewish widows needing help in those three and a half years of famine. And I've put there in brackets, who thought they deserved it because Elijah lived there with them on the Sidon coast in that time of famine that he prayed for. Jesus goes on to say, but he was not sent to them by God. He's making points here about how to relate to God, his Father. Jesus goes on to say, instead, Elijah used a miracle to provide for the widow of Zarephath, which was miles and miles away. In fact, Nazareth people would have known Zarephath. It was 60 miles directly north of them. Or what about the prophet Elisha, who healed Naaman, a Syrian, rather than all the Jewish lepers needing healing? And I've put in brackets, who thought they deserved it too. But see, God is not given to political correctness. He doesn't have to please our identity group. We, us victims here, deserve something special. Uh-uh. Anyway, these remarks stung them to fury. And jumping up, they mobbed him, took him to the edge of the hill on which the city was built to push him over the cliff. But he walked away through the crowd and left them. Now Jesus had just proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord, which refers to the year of Jubilee. And it was meant to be celebrated every 50 years. He was proclaiming it for them. And though it was still on the calendar for them, it was left unfulfilled with minimal observance. It would come around and they would do some religious things, but they didn't do what the year of Jubilee commanded them to do in trusting God for what was a miracle year. The Jubilee year was to be a super Sabbath year. Observance and celebrations and obedience to what God said to do in that year and what he would do. However, the celebration of the super Sabbath depended on the observation of the seventh year Sabbath every seven years, which had to also be obeyed before you could get your super Sabbath. Not only that, they had to obey that seventh year Sabbath seven times in a row. That's 49 years in a row. And then along would come the 50th, the 50-year jubilee, the super Sabbath. But they didn't even observe the one year in seven Sabbaths. And that meant the one year in seven that Israel were to have a year off their agricultural work every seven years. 
and trust God for him to grow the crops, manage the weather and the locusts on their verandas, feed up, so that they could enjoy being his family in the earth. And he would supernaturally grow the crops, bless their time of enjoyment of being families together, proving to the nations round about that they were the only nation that was favoured by the only God of heaven, but they didn't ever have faith to do this. How sad. The Jubilee year spoke of the greatest fulfilment of what might have been. This was the year of being given God's rest and blessing and provision for their lives, both individually and as a people of God. It was the year when all work of every kind had to cease. Debts were forgiven. Leviticus chapter 25, and it's a good read. Read it. I have, don't have time to read all of that chapter of the blessings of the Jubilee year, but I'll mention one or two verses. And each of you shall return to his possession. Each of you shall return to his family. And land holdings, now I'm speaking in summary, paraphrasing, land holdings were returned to the original owners. The slaves were given their freedom. And the families were to celebrate the blessings of being God's children. It was to be a statement of God's favour upon his people forever for all the world to see. You'll notice that after Jesus proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord, he's reading from Isaiah 61, the year of favour, the jubilee year, he closed the book. And there was a special reason for that. Because the next sentence in Isaiah 61 is, that he, this is what he would have read if it had gone on, and to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. But that was not what Jesus came to do. John 3.17, which comes just after John 3.16, says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's his heart. But now, Jesus was telling them that he was the manifestation of what the Jubilee year really meant. It's been fulfilled. I am Jubilee year. He was the one who would bless and provide and set free and take them to himself and to his Father, unify them to be as one with all the other peoples and nations of the earth as part of the family of God. Israel didn't want to hear it then, but Jesus still wants this to come to pass. He wants peoples and nations of the earth, including Israel, to believe him and receive him and his promise before he returns. It's not an empty promise. Jesus was and still is our jubilee year. He is our jubilee manifestation of blessing. And it is still on God's calendar. It might be ignored by people. And it's an interesting observation the 2,000 years since Jesus made his Jubilee proclamation, 
his calendar would now be marking the 40th Jubilee around this time. <laughs> now, I'll just say that as an observation. Take from it what you will. But this is doing the Gospels. I find that I want to make observations. Let the revelations come from people asking God, what are you saying in this to me? And I want to read another scripture, James chapter 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the latter rain. And the Bible says in Hosea chapter 6, As we press on to know the Lord, he will come to us like the rain, like the former and latter rain to the earth. The Holy Spirit, that is going to happen. Nobody knows when. When you talk about Jubilee and the 50 years and the other time frames, remember this, once Jesus said he was the Jubilee and once he ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, it was all Jubilee for everybody who believed. It wasn't, oh, once every 50 years you'll get a blessing. It was, I am now the fulfilment of Jubilee for everybody who will believe what I said to them in Nazareth when they said, uh -huh. you mean you're Joseph's son? He wants to be our Jubilee, whenever it might be. But he'll come to us like the rain, the Holy Spirit, the former and latter rain to the earth. The early rain is the gentle rain of God's loving grace that softens the hearts of men and women as they faithfully receive the understanding of God's love and grace. The latter rain is that the Holy Spirit deluge of God's sovereign outpouring of grace upon the earth which will come at his appointed time and where people of all ages will be touched by God and suddenly transformed by his grace, families healed, thanksgiving, relationships restored, a witness to the world around. This is Jesus doing this. Let's remain constant in prayer and faithfully believe. Amen.